Hello, this is Scott Stewart from Millennium Park Foundation. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1... Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees Strong ozone and safe sunshine Well, good planets are hard to find Good planets are in the main Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847 A new secure line has been opened for communication 877-711-5611 now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Are they indeed? Hello. Hello. What time is it? Uh, there we go. It's an hour later. Uh, yeah, well, you couldn't tell from my... Uh, my alarm clock this morning, which went off at, uh, <laughs> it went off, I I don't even know what time it went off. I had, I woke up, uh, I had set my alarm for seven, it goes off, I look and, because I saw my cell phone, the smart, it's supposed to be a smartphone, okay, it's supposed to be really, mm-hmm. really smart, very mm-hmm. intelligent phone here, and part of it says it's 5 a.m., and the other part says it's 6 a.m., and I had set the alarm for 7 a.m., so I woke up not knowing what time I had no I I, I, I had that. no idea what planet I was on this morning. But it was a good planet. Um, no, it wasn't because it was early. It was obviously I got up earlier than I needed to, uh, thanks to technology. You know what? I'm going to blame Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I was going to say I, it's like, he was sitting in your phone going, "I'm, I'm going to get him." Exactly. So that's that's what I do when 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 I have to blame somebody, <laughs> I blame Mark Zuckerberg. So Mark, this is for you. Oh, it didn't... Uh, well, I heard it coming out of the speakers. I heard it coming out of the speakers, but I didn't hear it coming out of... Uh, all right, we may have to get Sonar in here because that didn't play through the board. All right. Okay, he says try again. Here we go. Shut up, Wesley. There, right, we, go. there we go. We have Sonar spin in the dials this morning. All right, yes, uh, uh, in person. So uh, that's uh, that was how my morning started. But uh, I actually got here early, so... <laughs> So I know you were here before I got here today. I know that's just really weird. Okay, that's just strange. Um, oh, that's nasty. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, and uh, we've got a, 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 a despite the technology, we've got a great show here today. Um, and in fact, uh, our first guest is, is sitting there uh, and waving to us on on the Skype machine, the Skyperama. Uh, and that is uh, TV host, radio host, uh, columnist. Uh, I call her Queen. Of all media. As opposed to media goddess? Uh, no, she's not a media goddess. Okay. She's just queen uh, <laughs> of all media. Melinda Myers, uh, who will be here because she's going to be at the uh, Chicago Flower and Garden Show, which is coming up this week. Holy smoke. How did it get here? So this week we got the Flower Show. Next week we got the Good Food Festival. 
Uh, the problem is we got to get through the flower show first, mm-hmm. and we're going to be there a lot uh, starting. I think tomorrow. T- tomorrow, I think tomorrow, Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Yikes! Uh, but uh, that's at Navy Pier. It's the annual thing. We may actually give away. We got we got tickets, but tickets. you know what? Okay, I, can, am I allowed to bust them and say no? Uh, sure, I can. <laughs> why? Why are you guys doing hard tickets? Okay, this is the twenty first century. Why? Why do you? Why do we have to mail these out? What I'm going to teach them all about the inner tubes. And and, and for our listeners who have won tickets so far, they're in the mail. They went out Thursday, so you'll sure have they them. did. And it's if you know if it's Chicago Post Office, well, anything happens. Uh, but but then you you don't mail them from Chicago. No, I mail them from Highland Park, so you can add two weeks. <laughs> okay, good. Because uh, so they have to go to Carol Stream first. We start with Melinda Myers, and then we get really serious. In the second half of the first hour, uh, because we have Jerry Edelman, who's the president and CEO of Openlands, uh, and I, I learn so much. Do, sometimes I learn so much doing research, and, and it never gets out on air. Uh, but I get really smart. Mm-hmm. I don't think our listeners necessarily always do, but I learn so much about what's going on in terms of where we're going with protections for our natural lands. And I learned about a law that was passed, uh, actually signed in 1970, that is what has been doing all of the heavy lifting for the last 45, 50 years. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about that with uh, Jerry Edelman and, and the proposed federal budget and um, the uh, infrastructure, proposed infrastructure bill, uh, and just stuff that is going to could potentially lay waste to um our, our our natural areas. As I read in one thing, generations of conservative work. It's just unbelievable uh, what's going on behind the scenes, and you need to know about it. And so Jerry Edelman from Open Lands will be here. Then in the second hour, we talk about the upcoming Good Food Expo at uh, the UIC Forum, and, and that will be uh, basically on the 23rd and 24th, although if you're a farmer, you can come on the 22nd. Uh, and we're going to talk to a guy named David Art Montgomery, from University of Washington. Uh, he's one of those MacArthur guys. He got one of those genius grants that I'm never going to get. So um, um, I don't hate him, but um, I resent him. That's that's. I'll just do it mildly. Because, I hope he's uh, not listening. Yeah, I hope he's not listening either. No, actually, I'm very excited to talk to him because we're going to talk about how to regener- regenerate your soil, which I cool. love. All coming up on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun. The Chicago Flower and Garden Show returns to Navy Pier this March with more energy than ever thanks to a new schedule, so pay attention. This year's theme is Flower Tales. Every garden has a story to tell. And as usual, there are fabulous display gardens built by the industry's top professionals, daily celebrity chef demonstrations, container potting parties, and ongoing STEM studio cut flower arranging classes. The Kids Activity Garden is back. And did we mention presentations led by Nat? Nationally renowned experts like, oh, I don't know, Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki? Yes, we'll be there twice. Our presentation, What's Important and How to Find It, is on Friday, March 16th at 1.30. And on Sunday, March 18th, we're once again broadcasting live from the show. And this year, the Chicago Flower and Garden Show runs for five days only, from Wednesday, March 14th through Sunday, March 18th. So, get your tickets now. Go to chicagoflower.com and we'll see you there. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. 
Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. You can now enjoy local food all season long at Winter Farmers Markets, hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care. When you put your arms around me. I get a fever that's so hard to bang. You give me fever. And that is in honor of our next when guest. Me, <laughs> She's laughing. And she... <laughs> you, do, you, do you ever, has anybody ever given you that as an intro music before? No, I can honestly say no. <laughs> Let's uh, go up to the Northlands and bring in Melinda Myers. And that's spelled. Just so you know, folks, because you're going to want to go to her website, and nobody ever spells it right, I'm sure. Exactly. Uh, M-Y-E-R-S, Myers. Uh, We do have the misspellings just in case, but please get it right. Thanks, Mike. I have to to ask you, where does that spell? Is that a common spelling of Myers? You know, I was just up at Black River Falls and met a Brad Myers who spelled the name just like I do. And I and we were joking and he goes, well, in Minnesota, there are eight pages of Myers spelled M-Y-E-R-S. In Wisconsin, I think there are five of us and I've met all five. (laughs) My family's from Ohio and I've even had people tell me my I spell my name wrong. Like, hey, it's on the birth certificate. My father taught me to spell it this way. I don't know. So I think I must have some Minnesota roots somewhere. <laughs> I, I, you must. And it's names are are an interesting thing because uh, uh, Novak, by the way. Anna, oh, I was going to say, you, yours never gets pronounced right, right? No, that's right. And it's <laughs> N-O-W-A-K. And if you go to the Chicago phone book, of course, nobody has a phone book anymore. Uh, <laughs> Good <you'll>, point. <laughs> you, you will see columns and columns and columns of N-O-V-A-Ks and N-O-W-A-Ks. It works both. I mean, they're both very, very popular. Here's the funny thing. You talk about pronunciation and that sort of thing and spelling. Uh, and I've had people get mad at me because I tell them how to pronounce my name. I'm like, wait a second. It's my name. You, exactly. you, don't exactly. have a, you don't have a right to get mad at me because I asked you to pronounce my name correctly. That's just weird, isn't it? It is. And on the other hand, I'll sometimes ask someone, to, could you please repeat your name? Because I want to say it correctly. And they're, oh, don't worry. And I'm like, it's your name. I want to say it yeah. right. So, I, yeah, it is interesting. We, and then there, there's the other ones, the, the guests you have on the show. And uh, they have an odd name or a slightly difficult right. name. And you go through a whole interview mispronouncing it. And then after the show, they say, oh, by the way, by it's, the it's, way. Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, why didn't you tell me before the show? How, how am I supposed to know this? 
So, so f- folks, welcome to the wonderful world of radio. As mm-hmm. yeah, Mel- exactly. and Melinda knows, because you, how long did you do a radio show in Milwaukee? Twenty-one years. Wow. So yes, and every Saturday morning I spent, which I loved. You know the community. You know the community because your community has followed you around all those years. And it's it's just this community that we enjoy getting up in the morning, sharing you know our love of gardening and the environment, and and it is like a community. But I'll tell you, the first Saturday I didn't work after 21 years, I made plans. I'll bet. You know, it was like I could go to the farmers market in Madison finally. So I miss that. I miss that community. But you know, we still get to connect in different ways. Yeah, and I have to admit, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, I have made my listeners jump through hoops of fire <laughs> just to follow me in my, you know, because as I, as I am fond of telling people, I started at the top and I'm working my way to the bottom here. Okay. No, you didn't. So, you uh, just a little more selective. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've had, yeah, I've had folks follow me uh, from, from big radio stations to smaller radio stations, to the internet, to, to pirate radio. Arr, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And, and and now to WCGO, and I love them all. So uh, for all my listeners who have st- stuck with me over the years. And are still pursuing you. At, uh, stalking. The word is stalking. Thank way. you. Yeah. <laughs> Not a creepy way. Uh, but Melinda, yeah, of course, uh, as we mentioned, is all over. You're the only, the, about the only thing you don't do right now is live radio. Other than that, you're doing television. You write books. You write columns. You make appearances. Uh, what am I missing? I mean, you do a little bit of you, you. You've got a whole like a series of CDs uh, to learn how to do pretty much anything in the garden. What what's the that one? The great courses. The great courses: how to grow anything DVD. So that was a lot of fun because we got to bring I got to bring you to my garden as we developed some of it and we traveled to DC to show some gardens there. But you know, I give you credit because doing a weekly show. Um, it, you know, it's it it takes a lot of effort. I get to be your guest, so you're doing the heavy <laughs> lifting. I watched you doing the board and putting the music in, and I'm like, I'm just sitting here waiting for you to talk to me. It's a good gig. Yeah, as long as long as the Skype works. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true. That's that was a little tense for me because technology is not always my friend. So you're absolutely right. Nor is it mine. So uh, <laughs> and and as you probably heard. Uh, you know, starting with my alarm clock phone, it was not my friend this morning. Well, that's because so. Mark Zuckerberg's got it out for you. Yes, he does. Well, yeah. and, you're, and he's now you're even higher on his list for revenge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's he's got his people listening right now. There's the bad I'm things. Sure he does. Bad, <laughs> bad things are probably happening to us on Facebook right now. Uh, but uh, Melinda's going to be at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Uh, on March 14th, which is opening day. And now Peggy and I are there tomorrow, the day before they open. Then we're going to the gala on Tuesday evening and do some Facebook Live stuff. And I hope I don't run into Zuckerberg there. Uh, and uh, and then we're back on Friday for our presentation and then back on Sunday. But you're there just uh, Wednesday. So folks need to know, if you want to see Melinda, come on by. And I noticed that your talk is called Designing a Pollinator Garden – Create the scene and attract the characters for this flower garden tales happy ending. Hey, I wanted to fit into the theme, so we got creative to say, you know, okay, pollinators are part of it, 
And so if you've ever watched hummingbirds, I remember the first time I really saw a lot of hummingbirds flitting through spruce trees. I thought, well, there's where Walt Disney got Tinkerbell. I mean, they look so much like Tinkerbell as yeah. they flip through the garden. And so really, if you think about the pollinators in our landscape, not only are they helping to pollinate so we have food to eat and flower seeds and things for the future, but they also bring motion and color and beauty. And if you're trying to get kids excited about gardening, hey, bugs are really where it's at and birds because they're a lot more fun to watch, I hate to admit, than plants slowly growing in the garden. <laughs> and I really have found that, you know, if I can get kids excited about the insects, then they find out that the plants are necessary, and it really is a great way to get kids and adults excited about growing things and taking care of our environment as well. Uh, you know you just committed heresy by saying that uh, animals are more interesting than plants. I know. Sorry. Uh -oh. It isn't for me, but <laughs> the reality is my daughter, when she was little, we had a goldenrod in the backyard, and there were aphids all over it. And like any good gardener, I'm like, yeah, someday I had to do something about that, shoot some strong glass of water or whatever. But I waited, and two weeks later, the ladybugs moved in and were eating the aphids. And everyone that came to visit, my daughter would drag back and go, look at the, look at the ladybugs are eating the aphids. And everybody had to go see it. And then we got kids coming to my garden because I had bugs in my huh. garden. Ooh. And it was great. And I some of them have ended up being gardeners as well. That's fabulous. And by the way, uh, you thought, and I'm sure you had this in mind when you came up with the name for your talk, that you were going to win the award for the longest name for a talk. <laughs> but I beat. I didn't. I didn't. I, I beat. I beat you last year with the name of my talk, which okay, was. Which was? It, which was everything you know about gardening is wrong. Myths, misinformation, and well-meant but inaccurate advice from mom, the intertubes, and beyond. Uh, <laughs> okay, you win. I, I, you win. I, I won you by, by two words. Mom, so uh, yeah, of course, exactly. Well, mom. Moms well, that's the thing, you know. And I, I think that's important to know is that mom didn't always know what she was doing in the garden. And well, exactly. Or. What worked then, you know, my grandma would always throw the dishwater out in the garden, but the dish soap was very different than some of the mm -hmm. dish soaps now. Ah. So, you know, I think I met somebody the other day who said, well, you know, we just got to you know, get the stuff out of the kitchen cupboard. That's what we should be using in the garden. And I'm like, not necessarily. The things in your kitchen cupboard may be more harmful to the plants. They're designed for a different purpose. So. Oh. And I know your topic this year is somewhat similar, maybe not taking out mom, but you're looking at reliable resources. Right, exactly. Where uh, What's important and how to find it. Yeah. And oh, shortened your title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did. <laughs> <laughs> I had enough of that last year. It's, it's, it's so hard to reproduce. I could never remember it. Uh, but you're right. That's where we're going. We're trying our, t our uh, uh, talk, which is on Friday. March 16th at 11.30 a.m. And by the way, uh, yours is on the 14th. At 10.45. At 10.45. So you're early. You get you get the buses that come in early. That's always a well, good time. I learned. I, I learned because in the middle of one of my talks one year, everybody goes, we love you, but we have to go. The bus is leaving. <laughs> Out my audience is out the door. You're like, no, wow. what did I say? Wow. Exactly. Yikes. Yeah, well, that'll happen to us probably. <laughs> but sorry. Uh, but, but I yeah, I feel for you. <laughs> but that's the point. Uh, it's a lot of folks don't know where to get the information, and that's what Peggy and I are going to do. In fact, our goal is to have somebody in the audience say, "Hey, I got this issue," and then we're going to go live on stage and research it while we're standing there. So that should be mm -hmm. fun. 
And oh, that's an excellent way to do it. When I was teaching at the technical college, I would always make my students cite their resources. You know, what's your res- what's your resource? Yeah, and what's your source? Ah. And my daughter grew up, and now I hear my grandkids going, and the source is, <laughs> <laughs> yay, I raised you well. My yep. daughter passed Very good. Because well, she would come up, and, and it's easy. There's so much out on the internet, and a lot of people have a beautiful website and bad information. So I'm glad you're doing it. It's an important topic, especially for people worrying about gardening right, doing it right for the garden and for the environment. And you mentioned something earlier about people going into their cupboards and taking stuff out <laughs> into their garden. It's uh, okay. I'm going to name names here. It's the Jerry Baker syndrome. Okay. For yes. years, people watched him on TV. And I, I imagine you were like my instructors when I was studying to be a master gardener. And the Jerry Baker question would come up every day, every day, because oh. this was in the 90s. And he was there's still a lot of popularity there. And every time the question up was you could see them roll their eyes uh, because they're they are educators. And they would basically say, you know, if you're going to do stuff out of your cupboard, you don't know the exact measurements, you don't know exact toxicity, mm-hmm. you don't really have all that information that you can get on a label if you buy it in a store. Now, I'm not a huge fan of product over process. I always talk about how I I'm, like process, yeah. but I will say that in the 21st century, you go to a store and the label has all the ingredients there so you can make an educated decision. Exactly. And there's a great book by Jeff Gilman who wrote The Truth and Myths of Garden Remedies. And he tests some of those. And and he does talk about the ones that work and why they work. But he also talks about why some don't. And he gives you the science, which I really enjoy because then it it helps you have a better understanding of why you shouldn't do it. And Cornell and, and Iowa State have been doing research on some of those home remedies so that there's a little more science behind it. So you get the right, the right answer, but I'm with you. If you put the right plant, right place, give it the proper care and tolerate some damage. You know, the kids at Hamilton Botanic Garden use the pluck, drop and stop method. They pick off the insect, throw it on the ground, stomp it. Great way to burn that excess energy. <laughs> Learn good, right? Learn but, good but, 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 but you got to know but. what the insect is first. And that's the other thing is that folks will stomp an insect and then think, uh, I wonder what that was. Uh, well, that's not a oops. Well, they're the good ones and the bad ones. Yeah. So mm-hmm. good point. Very good point. You're right. You've got, I leave them all in the garden. Somebody's I do gonna too. Eat it eventually. Exactly. Exactly. Except the Japanese beetles. Those all go for a well, nice bath. Yeah, so, you bring up a good point, Peggy. There are people out there going, no. <laughs> So as we've we've just got a couple more minutes here, uh, Melinda, one of the things you and I talked about yesterday was, and I thought this was an excellent point on your part, was how to attend a garden show. And I think there are ways you can do that and learn a lot. What what are some tips you would have? Well, you know, as as you're as you're riding and someone else is driving or you're on the bus, look at the educational seminar so you can pick and choose the ones you want to see. Be sure to leave time for the exhibits because even though there's a theme and you go, well, I'm not going to do this in my landscape. You can take bits and pieces out of each landscape. Every year I go and I take a lot of photos and I'll use parts of every 
exhibit and I'll share it with gardeners. Look at this great idea. You could do this in your own landscape. Go with, where are you looking for improvements? Do you need to screen a bad view? Do you need to start a vegetable garden? Do you have a patio that needs to be perked up? There's lots of ways that you can go through and not, and get ideas that will help you in your own landscape or with your growing knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing because what I do is I invariably will say, hey, look at this great idea. You take a pot, don't even take it out of the container and surround it with mulch. It looks terrific in your garden. Exactly, and it's a great way to perk up your landscape before a party. <laughs> oh, what a good gardener I am. These are in perfect shape. <laughs> we just busted ourselves out. By yeah, well, you know, <laughs> but, but, but what, I, what I've noticed, and you know the same thing too, a flower show is 80% show, 20% horticulture, or something like that, generally. Exactly. And so some people give it, you know, some of the hardcore gardeners I've talked about, well, there's nothing to see there. And I'm like, oh, how can you say that? Because I walk away like you with a lot of ideas to pass along or try in my own landscape. And sometimes it's looking beyond the, the show into that technique, like you said. Yeah. So uh, if folks want to see Melinda Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, and you can go to Melinda Myers, M-Y-E-R-S dot com. And wait a second, I gotta um, bring your music in back back in okay. before we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna try to make this my new theme stuff. Uh, <laughs> People uh, won't know what to expect. They'll be like, huh? <laughs> uh, you can show up at the flower show on Wednesday, opening day, ten forty-five, and it's a really long title, and I'm not gonna repeat it. But you'll learn it's about the- pollinators. Yeah. So, all right, and there's our other goofy music. Uh, so that's not uh, your your, okay. se- your sexy music is gone. Melinda Myers, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, we'll talk about. Well, we'll have you back soon. We'll just you got to you, you got to slip down. You got to come in the okay. studio. Yeah. Thanks, Melinda. See you guys. We'll be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the 2018 Good Food Expo. Connect with local farmers and producers, learn from renowned local chefs, shop the Good Food Marketplace, and eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. Don't miss the Good Food Masterclass on Fermented Foods with author Michael Harlan Turkel. Good Food happens Saturday, March 24th at the UIC Forum in Chicago. The Mike Novak Show will cover it live on Facebook. Visit goodfoodexpo.org. This is Peggy Malecki, and this is The Moment. That's the theme of the 7th Annual One Earth Film Festival, and The Mike Novak Show will be there. 33 award-winning films at 47 venues across Chicagoland, March 2nd through 11th. 
This is the moment underscores the need to take action to save our planet now. Visit OneEarthFilmFest.org to reserve tickets to all screenings, including the March 2nd Green Carpet Gala, featuring live interviews by Mike Novak and me. See you there. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? My church and my country could use a little mercy now. As they sink into a poison pit, it's going to take forever. Couldn't think of a better song to bring in our next guest, who is the president and CEO of Openlands, and that's Jerry Edelman. The song you're listening to is Mary Gauthier. Uh, Mercy Now is uh, the title of the song, and she goes on about how we all lead, need a little mercy uh, at the present moment. And uh, Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Great to be with you. Uh, it's great to have you on the show, and I appreciate uh, you doing this even by phone, because I know that <laughs> you don't take Sundays off either, do you? No, not usually. Uh, but I do have some uh, family commitments down in Will County, so I couldn't be with you in, you know, in person, but glad to be by phone. Uh, well, we're, I'm going to drag you into the studio at some point yeah. in the not-too-distant future. So you, <laughs> no, for, I welcome for, that. For one thing, you get to see the uh, the studios at WCGO, which is uh, my new home, and I, you know, Peggy and I have ah, been, been here for a year. Congratulations! Thanks. Well, we this we celebrated our year uh, in January, mm-hmm. so uh, we're uh, uh, very happy with it, and we, you know, had. Uh, uh, we've got the, if you go to Facebook, uh, we're on Facebook Live, like a three-camera shot. Very cool stuff. It's very, very technologically advanced here, and it's a, <laughs> it's a good deal for us. But uh, getting back uh, to the subject at hand, uh, folks uh, know about Open Lands. I'm going to let you, since you're the president and CEO, how would you describe Open Lands? Because I, I know you do so many different things. I'm a tree keeper myself. I know about garden keepers, but that's just almost peripheral to the main mission of, of open lands. Well, how would you describe it, Jerry? Well, uh, we're a regional land conservation group, so we work in that three-state metro area, the southern shore of Lake Michigan. So, you know, uh, northwestern Indiana, southeastern Wisconsin, and then northeastern Illinois. Uh, and Chicago is, of course, at the heart of that region. We were one of the first conservation organizations in the nation to focus in a large metro area, cities, suburbs, exurban fringe, back in 1963, really at the kind of birth of the modern environmental movement. But we feel that, you know, nature is vital to all people, and it should be close to where they live. So we care about the land and water of this region, making sure that it's healthy uh, for both nature and for people, and that... um, you know, we have a system of green, this kind of web of green at all scales, you know, from uh, communities in the city of Chicago where it might be greening school campuses or planting trees or working with communities to develop gardens uh, to trails and greenways that cut through our region, including the blueways, our water trails, and to large landscape uh, resources as well, like the Medewan National Tallgrass Prairie, 20,000 acres, uh, former Joliet Arsenal, or up at the northern end, Hackmatack, our first national wildlife refuge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do a lot, but there's some logic to it. You know, it, it's for this large metro area, and it's that uh, all these different scales. So it's a complicated set of things that we do, but I think there's some logic behind it. There absolutely is, and uh, you were involved in things uh, way back in the day, like the Indiana Dunes 
National Lakeshore and uh, the uh, I&M Canal. Uh, National Heritage yeah. Corridor. So uh, well, we, a lot of pioneering things because we were, uh, you know, among the few in the country focused in a complicated uh, geopolitical landscape like ours, where a lot of people live, there weren't good models. So, for instance, we did uh, the first rail-to-trail conversion in the country, the uh, Illinois Prairie Path. Now, when I say we, Open Lands always works with partners, grassroots groups, other organizations, units of government, but often provide that leadership. So uh, Friends of the Chicago River, you know, for 10 years it was a focus, uh, a program focus of open lands and then launched as an independent organization. We were the first group that said, you know, what about our, our river, you know, our second waterfront here? No zoning, no planning for it at that time. And yeah. so often, you know, we've been a catalyst. Uh, mm-hmm. The Alliance for the Great Lakes uh, started out as Lake Michigan Federation, which we launched now many, many years ago. So a lot of interesting history there, but we continue to work collaboratively with uh, so many other partners and especially community groups. Well, speaking of uh, the future, uh, you just teamed up with Conserve Lake County as well. Um, That's right. I was, uh, you know, Lake County is one of the most biologically diverse counties in Illinois. Some say maybe the most. It can be, uh, be a little dangerous to make a statement like that, but clearly one of, if not the most. I know it does have the most wetlands uh, surviving of any county in Illinois. So an amazing place, you know, bordering Lake Michigan, and we have deep roots and involvement there. The only parcel that we own in perpetuity, our Lakeshore Preserve, uh, the southern part of the former Fort Sheridan, uh, is in Lake County. And right. We've worked over the years with the Forest Preserve District and local governments and grassroots groups on many things. But there was a countywide land trust, Conserve Lake County, mm-hmm. So we pulled back somewhat saying, you know, we don't want to step on toes that, um, you know, their mission parallels ours and uh, they were doing good work. But for various reasons, they kind of ran into some difficult times and were kind of struggling with fundraising and they came to us and uh, we initially said, let's try to help you get your feet on the ground. And we worked with them for a while and in the end they said, you know, we'd really rather merge into you. And so that's what happened January 1st which is very exciting, actually. Uh, They're a great organization. They have wonderful uh, constituency, some great programs like uh, Conservation at Home, working with private citizens to um, improve biodiversity in the region. Um, They have a wonderful plant sale that will be coming up in the the spring and so forth. So um, a lot of good things to build on, and we're excited about that. Well, congratulations on that, and and yeah, I, the Lakeshore Preserve is is pretty remarkable. Uh, I went there uh, and did a tour of some of the ravines as you guys were just opening it up several years ago, and it's uh, one of the rarest ecosystems in the on the entire planet. And folks don't even realize that that uh, they're uh, and there's so little, you know, of our lakefront outside the city of Chicago that is open. Uh, to the general public. There are some wonderful parks in some of the communities uh, on the North Shore, but they're small, and often you have to have a permit to Mm -hmm. park and so forth. They're really local resources, not regional. Then, of course, we've got Illinois Beach State Park, which is spectacular. It's kind of like Indiana Dunes, though, Dunes Swale topography, owned and managed by the Department of Natural Resources. Mm -hmm. So the Lakeshore Preserve, the former Fort Sheridan, the northern part of which is... um, owned and managed by the Lake County Forest Preserve District, and then our mile of lakefront with the bluffs and ravines, really unique. And, you know, just amazing biodiversity, spectacular views. The bird life is 
phenomenal. About every species of bird that you would see in mm-hmm. Illinois will pass through there one time or another. And these ravines, again, are very fragile but very special relics, you know, of the Ice Age. And so really pretty exciting place. We're, we've been doing a lot of restoration, as you know, bringing back uh, the rich biodiversity that's there that's so critical, especially for migratory birds and other wildlife. But great scenic views, wonderful opportunities to hike and uh, experience nature. We've incorporated uh, art into it, which is another kind of wonderful dimension. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. And, oh, and, don't, and don't get me started on uh, access to waterways in the United States and probably the planet. Uh, those get sucked up quickly by by businesses and private uh, entities, and then the the average person gets shut out. And which is another reason why I love the work you're doing because that's as your name uh, implies, it's about keeping things open to people. So, yeah, and especially waterways, Mike. When you mentioned that, I know you're very much aware of our blueways or our water trails, and mm-hmm. again worked in partnership with. Um, so many units of government and uh, paddling uh, organizations to develop um, this comprehensive 500-mile system for northeastern Illinois um, for canoeing and kayaking. And it's taken, you know, 15 or 20 years to kind of realize the vision, to get the access uh, points, you know, put in and good signage and volunteer groups that do cleanup and uh, stewardship. And if you go to our website, uh, you can uh, access the water trails plan, and it will give you very detailed information about each of these waterways and, uh, you know, uh, how to access them, and if it's for a beginner or more advanced person, it's really a great resource. I'd encourage anyone who's interested in experiencing Illinois' waterways in northeastern Illinois to to go there and, uh, you know, see what might interest you. Yeah, and uh, again, if you want to do that, go to openlands.org. And you can get uh, all of that information. Uh, There's just a ton of stuff there. And that takes us, uh, now that we've set the scene and the kind of work you do, part of the work has to be preserve the hard work you've done in the past. Uh, And that, that takes us to something called the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, which a lot of people don't remember or don't even know exists. Um, and uh, it's probably one of the most uh, forward-thinking and important environmental laws in the history of the world. It was in 1970. Um, it was actually signed into law by President Nixon, who in fact supported a lot of good domestic environmental uh, initiatives. And there are over 100 countries around the world that have used it as a model. Um, and you know, it, it, it's goal is to review projects in a uniform and and comprehensive way to see what the impacts would be on wildlife, on natural resources, on pollution, and to identify project alternatives, you know. So it's a very proactive. It's not trying to kill projects necessarily, but it's making sure that they're environmentally responsible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, um, this infrastructure proposal that President Trump launched on February 12th would pretty much um, uh, gut, you know, this uh, important piece of legislation. It would eliminate uh, a number of the provisions um, and uh, have disastrous impact. Um, You know, what they would do, among other things, is consolidate uh, the review all under one agency. They would eliminate climate review under Clean Water Act, uh, it would allow developers to pay the feds to expedite it, um, you know, uh, 
rubber stamp basically these proposals. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, well, uh, I'll tell you what, we uh, I want to get a, a little bit more into that because it is so important and what folks can do to see that uh, those that those laws or that law in particular is not yeah, gutted. Take some action. That's uh, uh, and we will do it. We need to take a short break, Jerry, about two minutes and we'll be right back. It's Jerry Edelman, the president and CEO of Open Lands. Uh, again, you can go to openlands.org. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will continue this conversation in a couple of minutes. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. Meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Burn on, big river, burn on, burn on, big river, burn on. Ah, yes, Randy Newman, uh, writing about the, the bad old days when the Cuyahoga River caught fire in 1969, and uh, that's why we have uh, some of the laws that we have, uh, especially the law we talked about, the National Environmental Policy Act of uh, 1970. And uh, we have Jerry Edelman, the president and CEO of Open Lands, on the line right now to talk about that. Now, you mentioned that the Trump administration is basically, as you said, your words, but I agree, trying to gut it. Uh, we uh, On the show recently, Peggy and I have been talking about the uh, EPA. We've been talking about the Department of the Environment. Uh, we had we had Adam Fetterman on a couple of times in the last couple of months, who is uh, writes for the investigative fund of the uh, Nation Institute. 
Um, and he's done a series of stories, including something called The Plot to Loot America's Wilderness. And he's documenting this. And basically, first of all, I don't think Trump cares one way or the other about uh, he just doesn't care. But the problem is yeah, he's not on his radar. He doesn't no, care. He's no. not embarrassed about it. Nothing. Nothing. And he just puts these people in charge. And I'm sure he's got he's got uh, corporations whispering in his ears saying, oh, you need this guy, Scott Pruitt, on there. And, oh, you need this uh, guy, Ryan Zinke. And these these are the real uh, problems. These are the people who are the dangers to our natural lands because their agendas are to take this law, which, as you said, is the gold standard for the world, and and completely dismantle it. And as a result, well, you know, Mike. Also, part of this infrastructure proposal would allow federal agencies to sell off public lands without congressional approval. The Secretary of Interior could approve, uh, you know, pipelines and other natural resource uh, extraction in our national parks, even without congressional approval. The Clean Water Review would, would be delegated to the state They wouldn't for these projects under NEPA. I mean, just on every level, it's disastrous. It is, and uh, taking it to the states is, is, is dangerous in, in a lot of ways, uh, as you guys mention uh, on your website. And you can read about all of this. I put several links to mm-hmm. what Open Lands has to say about how to stop uh, the, uh, the gutting of this law. But you you mentioned uh, on the on the website that a lot of states just don't have the money. They can't keep up right. with this. Uh, Look at Illinois as an example. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have one of the worst fiscal crises of any state in the nation. Our Department of Natural Resources, uh, you know, is uh, without capacity at all right now. Many of the talented people have left. Um, the so people with the knowledge the aren't there anymore. Yeah. These reviews. Um, it's going to be, first of all, very um, uh, inconsistent. You're talking about natural resources that are nationally significant, and then you're going to have 50 different interpretations. Uh, yeah, it's not good. And, and and it's a one-two punch, and that's, that's also part of the problem. Uh, we're talking about two things here. First of all, we're talking about the budget. Uh, and that is something that's going to be coming up for a vote uh, March 23rd. Uh, it's an, we've had continuing resolution after continuing resolution. Here we go again. Um, and part of it is in the budget, which uh, is a, a, a allegedly, I don't know, it depends on what you read. You read it's a $1.3 trillion budget, and then you read it, well, we're really talking about $4.5 trillion, and then uh, it will cost us $7 trillion. Who knows? We're talking a lot of money here, but it's not going to our natural areas, and it's not it's going... It's all being cut from our natural It's not areas. going to the environment. Uh, so, you know, is what has been cut. For instance, the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, you know, which is the most important uh, program focused on the Great Great Lakes ever, uh, modest amount of money, I mean, 300, maybe 400 million total, but really critical funds, uh, that budget is going to be reduced by at least 90%. Okay, I mean, can I stop you there, Jerry, because that one, it, it doesn't surprise me that they're going after it. However, you look at the Great Lakes, there are Republicans and Democrats of all stripes and sizes because there are all kinds of different states that border on the Great Lakes. I don't see how those people can't muscle the the federal government to say, you can't do this. This is too important for our fresh water. Well, in fact, that's what happened, Mike, um, last year, as you know. It was also cut out of the budget, and there was a groundswell uh, 
you know, of concern, and both Republicans and Democrats, for the very reasons you point out. I mean, 10% of the United States population gets their drinking water from the Great Lakes. You know, it represents uh, 1.5 million jobs. You know, it's, uh, it, it has economic value in terms of tourism and other things that's huge, fishing. So this cut across party lines, and so we hope it'll happen again, but people have to let their voice be heard. Yeah. And, and assume it'll happen. Uh, and if people want their voice to be heard, what's the best? Obviously, they can go to Open Lands. Uh, and... We have a very simple system if they go to Open Lands and they can look this up and uh, you can put in your address and so forth and it'll tell you who your elected officials are and really facilitate communication with them. Uh, I mean, there are other wonderful organizations. You know, we can't, we're, we're a regional land conservation group, mm-hmm. uh, and we care deeply about the policies that affect land and water in our area, but we aren't in Washington all the time. So we rely on the Land Trust Alliance, on the Sierra Club, on you know, NRDC, and so many others that are uh, monitoring this day in and day out. But we try to keep our, our friends and, and members and constituents uh, well-informed. And so I think you can go there and, and get some pretty clear direction about uh, what you can do in order to reach your elected officials. And don't assume that, um, you know, everything will be fine uh, because we have strong leadership in the Senate and so forth. Even our two senators who are fantastic on the environment, but they need to hear. There's yeah. so many other challenges that we're facing, social justice, welfare, health, I mean, on and on and on. <laughs> So if we are quiet in the environmental arena, that's not good. Uh, and I have that information on my website, MikeNovak.net. Uh, there's a, the line reads: Open Lands helps you to contact your local re- representatives on this form, and you click uh, the link on this form, and it'll take you to that on the Open Lands site, and you fill in the boxes, and then you get more instructions on that. Um, now I was talking. Yeah, it is simple, and I appreciate the fact that you're doing that. And I was talking about the one-two punch. Now, the other thing is that the Trump administration has this infrastructure uh, plan uh, now, which which seems to be running into a brick wall right now. Nonetheless, nonetheless, these things have a way of resurrecting themselves, uh, or parts of them show up in other bills. And we need to pay attention to that because we're talking about elimination of environmental reviews of infrastructure projects through the National Environmental Policy Act, uh, removal of clean water reviews, um, authorization for federal agencies uh, to take any federal lands, as you mentioned before. And this is all part of the Infrastructure Act. So this is something it's this is the other thing we need to be paying attention to. And, Mike, I want to make it clear that uh, you know, Open Lands, as a metropolitan conservation group, has never been anti-development. We're saying let's make sure that up front we protect the critical natural resources that we have, the wonderful open spaces, our land and waters that are so essential to uh, you know, the resilience and uh, marketability also of our region from an economic point of view. But it needs to happen in the right places. Well, same thing, you know, there's been a lot of deferred um, uh, maintenance of our infrastructure. We do need money for uh, our roads and bridges and so forth, but they need to be the right ones. And what this does is just opens it up uh, free-for-all, you know, to take any public land and to uh, eliminate, basically, any of the serious environmental uh, reviews that... uh, that are essential, really, to make sure that the projects aren't harmful. Okay, uh, that's good infrastructure. Jerry, we're out of time. Thank you so much. Uh, our 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 
Our natural areas are under assault. You can go to opalands.org. I hope we talk to you again very, very soon. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847 a new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for Second Hour Capitalist Radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All right. We are back on Facebook Live, too, if you're watching us. Yeah, uh, and I hope some folks will do that. And uh, all i got to say about the show right now is... Hey, 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 no, no, we're not done. All right, you see, we're not done. We're, we're not, not done. Hey, 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 no, no, we're not done. Uh, <laughs> what? What? That's a, need to play that. Hey, 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 we're not done. There's still time. Uh, we've got all kinds of uh, stuff to talk about. And one of the things is Chicago Flower and Garden Show, which starts this week, Wednesday. The gala is on Tuesday, but you're probably not going to that. However, I am. Uh, and Peggy, I'll be there. Uh, and Peggy will be as well. But we've got tickets to give away. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we got hard hard tickets, baby. They're 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 paper. They're made up of they're the you can hold them in your hand like right here like I oh look at that and Sonar went in there close. Look he's <laughs> you got a he's working the hotkeys in there. Is that on hotkey there, Sonar? Hey Sonar. Yes, sir. Hotkeys for days. Oh man, this is like a real TV station here. Okay, we're, we got sonar spinning the dials for we're for cha- weeks now. We're channel nine hundred sixty two, nine hundred sixty two on your Comcast. <laughs> uh, just to tune in right there. Uh, but we're giving away tickets to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, so let's do that. Uh, in fact, I need to look at my my buddy uh, Bob to see if uh, we he, got enough. He resp- Oh, I know we do, we do. Uh, but I need to check on that. But so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Fifth caller, we're going to take the, and he did uh, respond. How about that? We're going to take... Um, caller number five. Number five and number seven. How's that? And at? At uh, our new number, the the, the Russian number. Uh, 877. 7-1-1. 5-6-1-1. 8-7-7. 7-1-1. 5-6-1-1. Uh, and uh, give us a call there. And the fifth caller will get two tickets to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. And the seventh caller will get two tickets. Now, we're going to see if we get seven calls. Wouldn't that be interesting? We're going to see if I remember to go to the post office. Uh, 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 that's true. Even better. 877-711-5611. If you forget that, it's on the Facebook page. The number's there. It's on my website. 
uh, it's there. Uh, so we expect to see those phones light up uh, any second. And two tickets to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. And Bob says he's going to come by and get his. Okay, cool. Our very own stalker. Uh, Bob uh, will be here to stalk, stalker Bob. Stalker Bob, just what we need on a Sunday we'll morning. Be, stalker Bob. We, we had a couple of other stalkers last week at our uh, remote. Uh oh, now he says he's not. Ah, so I had to look at the second one. Okay, because uh, he's busy. Oh, come on, Bob. Bob's working today. He's got working. He's got working it. on a Sunday. Imagine that. I know it. Well, see, he's like us. He's just a working schlub. Um, so, all right, we got to figure out how to get him the tickets. 877-711-5611. You get a couple of tickets to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. And speaking of Flower and Garden, what we are announcing Tuesday. Go for it. Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards 2018 is launching this month. Website goes live and we will be taking applications starting in April. Yeah. Enter your garden. Uh, yeah. And that's all you need to know is that, uh, we uh, we started this last year, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Uh, basically, it's uh, an award program for gardeners in the city of Chicago. And um, uh, the city used to do it. They, they decided not to anymore a few years ago. And so Peggy and I said, we'll do it. And so uh, last year, we gave out 46 awards uh, for excellence in gardening in the city of Chicago. And we're doing it again in 2018. Uh, and uh, you will have a website any minute now. I don't mean today. I mean in the next few days, actually. We're going to go live with our website. Live, live. Live, live. It's a really cool website. Yeah, and it'll be real easy to sign up and get your garden um, uh, registered, and we hope you win. Yeah. You know, we're going to have uh, – we've actually got the award ceremony date set. We're going to be at the uh, uh, Garfield Park Conservatory. October 13th. Uh, in fact – let me read all the sponsors who are doing that with us. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show, University of Illinois Extension, Cook County, Shedd Aquarium, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine. Give yourself a ding there. All right. Uh, the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, Chicago Park District, Advocates for Urban Agriculture, the Forest Preserve District of Cook County, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, and Greenmark Public Relations. Uh, so all of them get a ding. They all get a ding. Uh, Jennifer was caller number five. We're still waiting on number all right. seven. Do we have Jennifer on the line? Uh, no, we're getting her information. She's uh, radio shy. Okay. <laughs> Not going to be on the radio with us. Okay. Hi, Jennifer. Uh, so uh, we've got uh, a winner uh, of our. Uh, we're waiting for caller number seven. So uh, let's see here. Uh, what else did we have? We got Richie Z coming yeah, up today. Yeah, Richie Z at, uh, at 12 o'clock. Uh, Richie Z's Chicago History and Automotive Heaven from 12 to 1. Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall from 1 to 3. Uh, and, of course, Mighty House Home Improvement. You, but you got to wait till next Saturday. 7 to uh, 10 yeah, a.m. I... Uh, he's got his finger in the air. Is, is the wind blowing in there? Is that the... Oh, giving us the, the one-minute sign there. Okay. Do we have a caller 7? We do not have a caller 7 yet. All right. You got about 45 seconds, folks. Please call 877 <laughs> 7th, 11th, and 56-11th. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We got to talk right. about the marmot over my shoulder yeah, and the, the vegetables over yours. I got marmots on... Uh, she's got marmots on her shoulder, and I've got columbines on mine. These Cute are our marmot. new banners um, we'll have to go wide on there so you can see the whole banner, but uh, we're very proud of these. Kathleen Thompson. Did, she gets dings. She gets a couple of dings because she did those. She's done. She also did the flyer for the, uh, and Chicago, the website. Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards. So, all right. When we come back, we talk soil. Why not? We do it a lot on the show uh, with uh, David Montgomery. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. We appreciate it.
Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is Mike Novak, Tree Keeper number 417, inviting you to register for the Openlands Tree Keeper Spring Course. Tree keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. The eight-day course covers topics like tree planting, mulching, pruning, pests and diseases, and more. The course will be held Sundays and Thursdays, April 8th through May 3rd at the Washington Park Fieldhouse in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. This is a special invitation for the public to join the Last Chance House for a celebration of sobriety at this year's annual banquet. Mark your calendars for Saturday, April 7th, when the Last Chance House is hosting its annual celebration at the brand new and beautiful Avante Banquet and Conference Center in Fox River Grove, Illinois. This fundraising event features a beautiful four-course dinner, live and silent auctions, raffles, and an inspiring keynote address by this year's visiting speaker, John Kay from Dallas, Texas. Your all-inclusive VIP tickets are just $75 each. Last Chance House is a premier short-term sober living home and accepts no insurance, federal or state funding, but rather relies solely on private donations to help men recover from alcoholism and learn to live a happy, productive life in sobriety. For more information about this year's banquet, visit us online at lastchancehouse.org. Plan on joining us on Saturday, April 7th for what promises to be a fun and inspiring celebration that benefits a most important mission that helps not just the man recover, but the entire community. Remember that for each man who recovers, so recovers his family, friends, and community members. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. didn't realize that uh, Lady Gaga was uh, part of the... Well, uh, she was going rah-rah for Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. Oh, I you thought... Were, you were going to get me once. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to get me once. Uh, okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, and Lady oh, Gaga. I see. We got a, a call coming in there, so uh, we might have our seventh caller. So welcome back to the show, and uh, we're uh, coming up. Uh, as Peggy and I said before on um, the the uh, Chicago Flower and Garden Show this week, and then the following week, we have the Good Food Expo, uh, which uh, goes for three days, actually. Uh, most folks are going to be interested in the two days, Friday the 23rd of March and Saturday the 24th. Peggy and I are going to be there for both days, and we're going to be doing Facebook Live interviews because there's going to be a ton of of very smart people uh, who know a lot 
about mm-hmm. growing stuff. And you, one you're of, definitely going to want to watch that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, and I hope folks uh, tune in on that, especially on that Friday morning, because we're going to have. Uh, uh, those interviews going on the uh, 23rd. So if you're at work, just stream it anyway. Put the headsets on so your boss doesn't know that uh, you're not doing any work. Uh, and uh, one of the guys who's going to be there uh, actually three times on the 23rd doing in three different seminars and presentations is David R. Montgomery. Uh, he's on the phone line right now. And, David, good morning. Thank you. Good morning, Mike and Peggy. Uh, Good morning. It's so nice to talk to you. Uh, David is a professor of geomorphology, uh, which, uh, okay, care to explain what that is for for people like me who who, who scratch their heads? Yeah, it's um, the kind of geologist that studies what the processes that form topography, the kind of the processes that shapes Earth's surface. So I study everything from how mountains are sculpted by glaciers and rivers down to how um, soil erosion on farms works and how fast you can build soil in your own garden. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty wide mandate, but it's a fun field to be in, kind of the here and now of geology. Uh, good stuff. And uh, you're a MacArthur Fellow. So does that mean that you got one of those letters and they said, hey, we're going to lay some cash on you? You know, it, it was the best phone call you can ever sort of hope to imagine. I was in a hotel room at a conference in Baltimore, and the, the head of the foundation called and told me that I'd uh, received a MacArthur Fellowship, and I was like, yeah, who put you up to this, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but yes, it's, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful program. And I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that they've lost my phone number, so uh, if you talk... <laughs> If you if you talk to them, David, would uh, would you? I'll, I'll give you my, my my personal number, and would you pass it along? Because I know they've been trying to get a hold of me for a couple you of years. Get it clear now. out your voicemail. Uh, exactly. Uh, yes, I'd be happy to do that for you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Uh, was that Nancy? Was a caller seven? All right, we've we've given away the yay sec- Nancy the second pair of tickets uh, to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Don't mind us, David. We're we're trying to multitask here. Uh, we've got all kinds of events coming up. In Chicago, and one of them, of course, is the Good Food Expo that you're going to be at, and um, you're going to be talking uh, about regenerative agriculture. And and I I I've been reading some of some of the stuff you wrote. You did a uh, a book that uh, you're going to uh, be referencing when you do your presentation and it and it's about the things that we we should be doing with our soil that we're mm-hmm. not doing and we haven't been doing for decades and the thing i want to pose to you is looking at it i just kept nodding my head and saying yep yep get that yep get that uh i think there's 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 now a group of people in the country in the world who who understand where we went off the the rails um, a few decades ago, and that's gaining some critical mass. I would dare say that when you go to the Good Food Expo, you're going to be preaching to the choir. Um, uh, because I looked at the stuff that you've written, and I say, yeah, yeah, this is the stuff I've been talking about on the show for a long time. So how how close are we to, to getting the masses to understand this, do you think? Well, uh, I think we're getting closer every year, and uh, you know, it's important at times to preach to the choir so you can try and grow the choir and keep everybody enthused. The, you know, my perspective as a geologist is one where I tend to sort of uh, look at the, the long term and the big picture, and I really see a, a very vi- a vital, um, viable, and growing movement, uh, both among the general public and, and critically importantly, among farmers, mm-hmm. to really 
rethink the philosophy through which we approach farming, and, and because that shapes how we think about the soil, which shapes what we do to the soil, which in the end shapes how long uh, the fertility of the soil can support a civilization. And we're in sort of a critical juncture in the broad arc of human history at the moment, where we have to reverse the long-term effects of farming practices on the land so the land can continue to support not just ourselves, but our descendants' descendants into the future. And I really see it as a pivotal moment in, uh, in the relationship of humanity to the planet of trying to take an agricultural system that has degraded the fertility of the land and turn it around such that we can rebuild the fertility of the land as a consequence of intensive farming. And there's really creative, innovative farmers that I interviewed in that new book, Growing a Revolution, mm -hmm. Bringing Our Soil Back to Life, um, that have demonstrated how to actually do this without really uh, compromising our, how much food that we can grow and also reducing the environmental footprint of farming, but quite importantly, making farming more profitable mm -hmm. for farmers. Uh, so I really see sort of a win-win-win kind of solution coming down, uh, hopefully coming down towards us uh, in the course of future history as, as we think about how to actually uh, I mean, I'll revolutionize the food <laughs> yeah. production. Well, it happens yeah. to be, so be in the title. Yeah. yeah. And I want to yeah. uh, make sure folks know, again, the name of the book is Growing a Revolution, Bringing Our Soil Back to Life. Uh, and there are a number of books out there. Um, there's another one. Uh, are you familiar with the, the Soil Will Save Us? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Kristen Olson's book. It's right. a fine book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you said that this, because you now have a trilogy of books, Dirt, The Hidden Half of Nature, and the, the new one, Growing the Revolution. Um, you, you said you kind of reluctantly got into this third book? Yeah, well, it was something where it took me, there's been a sort of a 10-year gap between the first uh, book in that trilogy, uh, which my wife and I jokingly refer to as our Dirt Trilogy. <laughs> she she co-authored the, the Hidden Half of Nature with me. But it took me 10 years to go from being... Um, something of a pessimist in terms of the future outlook for agriculture, which was um, came through in that dirt book in the sense that it was a backwards-looking book about the way that land degradation and soil erosion impacted the, the fortunes and fates of, of ancient societies around the world. And the executive summary of that book is societies that didn't take care of their land, the land didn't take care of them into the future and impoverished their descendants. Um, and it took me not only watching my wife restore the soil in our yard and us working together on that Hidden Half of Nature book to show how you could restore a yard in an urban setting through essentially feeding microbes in the soil, because they, they hold the key to really regenerating soil fertility. There's trillions of them. They mm -hmm. work you know hard 24-7 towards whatever means you support them towards or not. Um, and we learned a lot about that in writing that book. I then went around the world to visit farmers for the Growing a Revolution book who had adopted practices that kind of paralleled what we were doing in our yard that had restored fertility to their land. And I came to realize that there's a common set of principles through which farming can be turned from a practice that, from a, um, a system that degrades the land over long to long run to a system that rebuilds the fertility of it. So it took me a while to sort of learn enough and become optimistic enough to really frame the new book, which, you know, surprisingly is a pretty optimistic book about the environment and the future of, of the food system and humanity, because um, I think that we really have an opportunity with this new style of regenerative farming 
to greatly improve one of the fundamental systems that humanity relies on, relies on our agricultural system. You know, uh, Peggy's worked with me for a couple of years now, and uh, when you talk about optimists versus pessimists, <laughs> uh, she knows what side of the equation I land on. And I, th- I think I- I'm the way you used to be, David, okay? Because uh, I see the big picture here, and I look at the forces that we're up against, and they're massive, and they're well-funded. Uh, for instance, uh, let's let's some of the things we've been discussing on this show are the introduction of brand new chemicals. Hey, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, let's have uh, yeah. let's combine <laughs> let's combine glyphosate and two four D. Hey, nothing uh, no nothing, problem there. Yeah, nothing to see here, folks. Right. Uh, let's get uh, let's get uh, dicamba ready crops out there. Hey, that'll be great. Uh, so this is what you're up against. Um, and I'm glad that you're optimistic, but I know that there's still a lot of work to do. However, you make a lot of sense, and and I think Peggy and I, both as gardeners in our own tiny little plots of land, uh, I think we basically, she and I have basically the same philosophy, which is benign and benevolent neglect uh, works works wonders in your garden. It does. I mean, because I don't do any... I do. I let leaves fall. I put plants in and then just leave them to do what they're going to do. I don't clean very much. I don't clean up. And I know that it all goes back into the soil. And as it goes back into the soil, it's feeding the organisms in the soil. And uh, one of the uh, the phrases we use on this show a lot is, it's the, the biology, biology, stupid. stupid. Um and I love it. Yeah, yeah, we've been using that for years now because and I have been because you need to pound that into people's heads. It's not about how much NPK you put in there. It's about how much or bio- how clean your garden is. Right, how neat. Uh yeah, it's yep. It's it's at messy. I think is better and with with fewer chemicals in. And I'm sure you, know, you would agree. I'm, I'm with you 100. percent And uh, what you're talking about really tra- translates directly over into farming as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a there's a you, you, I go out through rural America and there's a, 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 um, a strong tradition of trying to make clean fields. You know, have, have bare soil between crops, no weeds. Um, but the, one of the things that turned me into more of an optimist on the how the ideas behind this new philosophy of regenerative farming could catch on was that there's another really powerful force arrayed uh, that I think is starting to align towards the vector for change, and that's the profit motive. Mm-hmm. Um, for farmers, if you can teach them a new way of farming or if they can develop a system where they n- need to buy less of those chemicals, which um, have are fairly expensive, if they don't end up needing patented seeds, and if they use less diesel. Those are the, the, the kind of inputs, as they refer to them, that uh, are expensive on a farm. Yeah. And if you can develop a system of farming, um, particularly through the, the kind of benign neglect that you're talking about, so instead of, uh, instead of spending money and, and time and energy plowing a field, go to no-till and don't plow. Save yourself some work. Save yourself some diesel. Well, one of the things um, you, you build that. I was just going to say one sorry, of the if things. You rebuild that. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say if you rebuild that biology in the soil, the way that you were uh, talking about, it, it's the biology, stupid, which is absolutely right. It can serve some of the functions that we've uh, substituted for that biology through the use of chemical fertilizers, through the use of uh, uh, insecticides and herbicides. If you can rebuild the health of the soil. 
you can promote the health of the plants which mean, and the crops, which means you need less of those inputs, which saves the farmers money. And if they can grow as much food so that their income is comparable, but they're spending less to do it, that's a better business model. And that's, that's the, when I realized that that is not a pipe dream, it's something that farmers have already demonstrated can be done, that's when I started to really switch into optimist mode because um, that's a recipe for um, ideas like these to spread through an economy. I was trying to jump in, David, uh, when you started talking about plowing, because um, what you've discovered uh, and and I discovered from reading you and something I've believed in for a while is that plowing and uh, if you want to translate to the average gardener, rototilling is the dearth of, well, it, it, it leads to bad biology because it's, it's putting carbon in the air, it's whipping up weed seeds, it's, it's, it's destroying tilth instead of creating it, and on and on and on, and we're just finally beginning to figure that out. I mean, I have folks say, um, well, I know folks that rototill religiously twice a year, and I say, you know, sell that thing on eBay, get rid of that thing, and don't ever use it again uh, because you don't need it. Uh, and and if you want to extrapolate and go into farming, you're you're finding out the same thing with plowing, right? Exactly. Yep. And, and it's funny when you mentioned the sort of the benign neglect again in your own gardening, because that's what Ann and I did at our lot. Mm-hmm. We bought a place in Seattle that had uh, really poor soil to begin with, and we just started composting and mulching and adding uh, what you might consider food for the biology to the soil. We were sort of feeding the soil with organic matter. The biology was breaking it down, and, and we were growing that biology. Um, but we didn't do the kind of disturbance or rototilling that um, uh, many gardeners are, are particularly fond of. And that analogy translates right across into the agricultural world with, with tillage and the plow. And it turns out that that first book in that dirt trilogy, that the Erosion of Civilization subtitle one, was one where the villain of that book, if a nonfiction book can have a villain, was the plow. Because mm. if you think about what a plow does, what that disturbance of the soil does, um, not just to the soil biology, but to the soil itself. It leaves it bare and vulnerable to erosion by wind or rain. And if you remove the topsoil, you're removing the fertility from the land. And that's the, the story in a nutshell of society after society. Yeah. We really have to turn it around at global scale this time. And all right, I'm happy ha- to say there's a, a way to do that. I, I'll tell you what, let's continue that. All right, we're talking to David R. Montgomery, and uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will be right back with this conversation. Want to have a healthier, more eco-friendly Green Diva kitchen? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The main characteristics of a Green Diva kitchen are that it produces delicious food, is healthy, eco-friendly, and low stress. Let's start by using more dish towels and cloth napkins because paper products make up one-third of municipal waste. Buying bulk dry goods saves money and reduces waste. Please recycle more. An estimated 80% of what Americans throw away is recyclable, yet our recycling rate is only 28%. And of course, always try to buy local and organic food whenever possible. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. 
Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the 2018 Good Food Expo. Connect with local farmers and producers, learn from renowned local chefs, shop the Good Food Marketplace, and eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. Don't miss the Good Food Masterclass on fermented foods with author Michael Harlan Turkel. Good Food happens Saturday, March 24th at the UIC Forum in Chicago. The Mike Novak Show will cover it live on Facebook. Visit goodfoodexpo.org. The Chicago Flower and Garden Show returns to Navy Pier this March with more energy than ever thanks to a new five-day schedule. So pay attention. This year's theme is Flower Tales. Every garden has a story to tell. And as usual, there's fabulous display gardens built by the industry's top professionals, daily celebrity chef demonstrations, container potting parties, and ongoing STEM studio cut flower arranging classes. The Kids Activity Garden is back, along with the show's all-new Get Growing educational series. And did we mention presentations led by nationally renowned experts like Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki? Yes, we'll be there twice. Our presentation, What's Important and How to Find It, is on Friday, March 16th at 1.30. And on Sunday, March 18th, we're broadcasting live from the show. And this year's Chicago and Flower Garden Show is all happening in five days, from Wednesday, March 14th through Sunday, March 18th. So get your tickets now at chicagoflower.com, and we'll see you there. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. See, the goal on this show is to get people to lose their religion. <laughs> and I don't mean skipping church, although uh, I know a lot of people tell me, oh, you're on Sunday morning, I'm in church. And I always tell them, you know, God will forgive you because she's a gardener herself. <laughs> um, but the, the religion I'm talking about is the traditional, and I'm using air quotes here, the, uh, the accepted practices uh, on our farms and, and in our gardens and the brainwashing you get, basically, if you're uh, a, a gardener in your yard. And, and I have to admit, I was watching a couple of basketball games and some golf yesterday as oh I would, as I would, I know, <laughs> I know this is my life as I'm putting together the blog for our show and, and doing research. And so I got this on in the background and I keep seeing commercial after commercial about how to kill your weeds. And it's, of course, a chemical. And how to green... They haven't gone to greening up your lawn yet because even they're smarter than that. But uh, that will be... But it's coming. That's coming. And it's going to be go out and buy a bag of stuff, throw it on your lawn, get... Weed and feed. Get the weed and feed. And, you know, we call it uh, poison and fertilizer. Uh, And the reason they don't call it poison and fertilizer is nobody would buy it if you... Is that the five-step program or the uh, the, six-step program or what (laughs) are we up to? I don't know. The 20-step program, I don't know. Uh, And on the phone right now, we have David uh, Montgomery, uh, MacArthur Fellow and Professor of Geomorphology at the University of Washington. Uh, One of the things uh, I want to ask you, I got two questions for you. One, do you know uh, John Eichard? Um, I do not believe I know John. Oh, you have got to. Okay, see, this is somebody you have got to meet. Um, I met him a couple of years ago, and he's a uh, uh, professor emeritus from University of Missouri. And he's one of those guys 
who for the first half of his career was steeped in what we call conventional agriculture and teaching everybody about it. And then when the farm crisis hit in the 80s, he had an awakening and he looked around and he said, wait a second, what we're telling people they're supposed to be doing isn't good for them and it's not good for... Actually, he discovered first it wasn't good for the land and if it's not good for the land, it's not for mm-hmm. good for the people. And then when he saw the, the kind of impact it had on the people, that's when he, he had a change of heart. And he said, wait a second, we've, we, we've gone down the wrong road here uh, and has turned it around completely. Yeah, his most recent book is The Emergent Agriculture, Farming, Sustainability and the Return of a Local Economy. And he has written some brilliant stuff. And the two of you, if you guys got together in a room, um, you could change the world. We need a microphone there, too. (laughs) You know, when you mentioned uh, his name, it sounded vaguely familiar. And I think that we were in a movie together. Um, Ah. I think he was interviewed in the movie Sustainable. And um, if I'm getting that right, I sort of uh, remember him having a, a particularly powerful story that paralleled yeah, so, um, he I, sounds I, like a really interesting guy who like lived, sort of lived through that philosophical transition. Right, and I know him recently. Um, I met him actually through uh, Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water, who are fighting concentrated animal feeding operations in uh, our state and across the, the country. Uh, and he's he's taken up with that because he knows how dangerous those are as well. But that goes hand in hand with what you're talking about, which is how do we regenerate our soil? Which takes me to my next question, which is you talk about regenerative agriculture. Um, and I'm sure there are people out there who kind of scratch their heads, roll their eyes, and say, wait a second, we, we, we went through the organic phase, then we went through the sustainable phase, then we went through the permaculture phase, now we got regenerative. Are these just buzzwords, or are they actually mean different things? <laughs> yeah, are they all the same thing, or are they all different? Right. Um, well, when you let's start with the, the difference between organic and regenerative, because in my mind, that's the, the, the cleanest distinction. Um, you know, for many years... Um, uh, when Ann and I would shop, uh, just look at the organic label, and you connect that with, oh, it must be, you know, good for the land. It must be sustainable. It's it's clearly going to be better than conventional. All those kind of things. Um, but when I was writing that dirt book and looking back at the history of civilizations, the kind of farming practices that, um, say, the Romans used in Central Italy, they were all organic because agrochemicals did not mm-hmm. exist two thousand years ago. Um, and they still managed to completely degrade their land to a degree where it helped contribute to the collapse of the Roman Empire. So as a geologist, when I look at the organic label these days, I don't see it necessarily as sustainable. I see it better than conventional, but it's not quite at the place where we would need to be to actually be able to continue doing it over the long run. And the key element there is, of course, plowing and tillage. So an organic system that uses the plow, unless it's on a river floodplain where the river brings new soil in every year to replace what might be lost, um, it's not going to be sustainable. What the, to me, what the regenerative label means, and actually one of the panels I'm going to be sitting on at the Good Food Expo is going to be talking about, what do we mean by regenerative agriculture? Yeah. There, there are different meanings that different people are bringing to the table on that one. Yeah, I view it as farming practices that can rebuild that soil biology, that can rebuild the fertility of the land, even as we intensively grow food on the same landscape. So not leaving the land fallow to let it uh, rebuild its own fertility. Nature does that, but it does it, she does that quite slowly. 
Uh, I view regenerative agriculture as a, a style of farming that can turn around that long-term historical trend of land decline and give us back to a place where we're bringing life back to our soils. Um, and, you know, and the, the permaculture folks, they've been on to things like this for a long time, and a lot of their practices just line right up with the kind of stuff that uh, people like John and, and myself are arguing for. Um, what we're trying to do, though, and what I go into in the Growing Revolution book, is to look at how you could take what's now conventional farming and essentially wean those farmers off of the intensive use of the agrochemical inputs that they use today and wean them off of you know a good portion of the diesel and the, the, the energy that they use in the farming world um, and try and turn them into what I jokingly refer to in the book as organic-ish farmers um, <laughs> so that they would be using far less of those inputs, have a much better environmental footprint, and make more money at the same time. <laughs> I love the idea of organic-ish. Uh, but, the, you know, unfortunately, we already have that. I I, I got asked uh, to do a talk I'm going to do sometime in the spring. I have no idea exactly when or maybe in the summer. But uh, I'm, I'm supposed to explain organic to a group of people. And versus organic ish. And, well, and you walk into grocery stores now and you see things that say natural and so forth. And a lot of it's greenwashing and some of it's organic ish. Uh, <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah. And then what's yeah. the standard? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, exactly. So what you talk and, about a regenerative standard, too, and a regenerative certification. How does that fit in versus organic certification? Yeah, well, the the one uh, regenerative certification that's on the table so far is an organic regenerative certification that was uh, spearheaded by the Rodale Institute, the um, Organic Research Institute in Pennsylvania. And they've come out in partnership um, with, I think, Dr. Bonner's Soap People in Patagonia um, at developing a certification for um, what they call organic regenerative farming. And so that would be taking these ideas, philosophy and ideas, the, the, the principles behind um, regenerative farming or conservation agriculture, the way that I was looking at it in the book, um, and combining that with an organic system. And you can kind of think of it as organic plus, sort of the mm -hmm. kind of organic farming that would solve the long-term land degradation problem that I was writing about in the Dirt book, and that it is a problem, on, particularly on sort of very large organic farms. Um, and that's the one certification that's on the table. There's discussions about others uh, using the or the regenerative label, and, and this, this panel on um, Friday morning at the Good Food Expo is, is going to go into that. I think it'll be lively and interesting because there's, um, I think everyone on the panel probably shares the idea that we need to, over the next decades to century, really transform the way that we farm at a large scale. And the question is, you know, what route do we do it? Do we go mm -hmm. straight to a regenerative organic? Um, or do we try and take the world of conventional farming and make it more regenerative, but maybe not perfectly organic, and then um, in the short run? Okay, let's take a really quick phone call. Nick is on the line. Nick, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, got good a question morning. for you regarding organic labeling. Uh, I was at, uh, I was at a, a grocery store recently, and there was a, a young millennial lady who was demoing probiotics. And so she told me kind of a rule of thumb is that the uh, black organic label uh, trumps the green organic label. Uh, do you know anything about that? 
Um, you know, I don't. Um, but I would actually love to know the answer to that. Uh, um, but I just that's not something I've looked into. Well, the, the only thing that pops into my head is the difference between the organic label, label and the Omri, Omri label. Um, and there's organic or USDA organic. Yeah. So Nick, that's a great question. I gotta. I'm gonna track that down. Okay. Let's. We'll. We'll see if we can. Excellent. We can see if we can figure that out. Thanks yep. for. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Wish we had. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. You too. Wish we had the answer to that right here. But uh, yeah. You know what Nick has put his his finger right on is if you're <laughs> a consumer and you really care about what's in your food, as we should all care about. Uh, that's actually a book, and uh, my wife and I are working on now is looking at how. These regenerative practices affect the nutritional quality of, of food. Um, and, but if you really, as a consumer, want to either support your own body with those kind of purchases or support the style of farmers who are better for the land, um, and not just from the simply organic perspective of do you use fewer, um, do you not use um, synthetic chemical inputs, you know, how do you vote with your dollars? What's, what's the information mm-hmm. you'd have at point of purchase in a store? And that's the real sort of motivation for, for talking about what kind of um, labeling system to try and develop, what kind of certification to develop for uh, re- regenerative farming so that consumers can actually be better informed. And it is a bit of a mess in terms of terms, like the, the natural term, the mic that you brought up yeah. uh, a moment ago. It really doesn't mean much of anything. No, it doesn't, um, unfortunately. When it's on a product. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, organic means something. Natural doesn't. Okay, and we're going to leave it at that. Uh, Dr. Uh, David Montgomery, thank you so much. He's going to be at the Good Food Expo, goodfoodexpo.org. I will see you there. Thanks for being on the show. Great, thank you. It's a pleasure. This is Mike Novak, and this is The Moment. That's the theme of the 7th Annual One Earth Film Festival, and The Mike Novak Show will be there. 33 award-winning films at 47 venues across Chicagoland, March 2nd through 11th. This is The Moment underscores the need to take action to save our planet now. Visit oneearthfilmfest.org to reserve tickets to all screenings, including the March 2nd Green Carpet Gala featuring live interviews by Peggy Malecki and me. See you there. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the 2018 Good Food Expo. Connect with local farmers and producers, learn from renowned local chefs, shop the Good Food Marketplace, and eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. Don't miss the Good Food Masterclass on Fermented Foods with author Michael Harlan Turkel. Good Food happens Saturday, March 24th at the UIC Forum in Chicago. The Mike Novak Show will cover it live on Facebook. Visit goodfoodexpo.org. 
that sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a cartoon on a treadmill. Okay, name <laughs> that tune. This was a theme song to a popular, uh, I want to say kids show talent. Well, this is my youth, man. If I heard this, I go, oh, I know who that is. Any idea, Rick DeMaio? Um, no. no I, I, I think I, I may have visited this particular song during a period of my college days, but I probably <laughs> got that night. Yeah, you, oh, there it goes. It, it's it, gone. It faded out. That was the uh, Soupy Sales Oh, yeah. It had a little bit of Uncle Floyd in there. Uncle Floyd was kind of like a ripoff of Soupy Sells off of a a low-powered public TV station in New Jersey, which I religiously watched uh, right after Monty Python every Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Soupy Sales started in Detroit, you know. And then uh, oh, went, we did. yeah, and then okay, went and then went national. So there was the Soupy Sales show, and uh, and he was uh, the and he kid. was on which game show all the time? Oh, what I don't Holly, what's my Holly, line? yeah, I think so. It wasn't Hollywood was it Squares. Yeah. I think it was what's my line? It might have been, yeah. And then of course, yeah. Now I've now I've uh, graduated to shows like uh, <clears throat> Meet the Press and <laughs> This Week. Although this morning when I when I turned on Meet the Press, I thought I was watching the Weather Channel because they kept mentioning Stormy. <laughs> Whoa! Okay, there we go. But I'm bump. Oh dear! And you know what I would like to see on Meet the Press, uh, in honor of Soupy Sales? I think some pies. They need pies in the face. <laughs> oh, there's a list. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. there's. Now, a... Well, why are we doing Soupy Sales? I, I thought he's already um, long gone. Uh, he, he yeah. I just happened to have the theme. I try. I, I ran into it. Oh, the, okay. I just All right. I just uh, ran I thought, into. I thought, it. I, thought no. I may have missed something with that with no. that extra hour no. of sleep that I got. Nah, he's been dead for years. <laughs> so it's like no, it's just I ran across the theme and and my childhood came back to me in a flash, and uh, I said, "Was oh, okay. that what that was?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what what got so bright in the room there for a second. And uh, and I thought, who's the who's which show segment can I use that for? And I thought of you immediately, Rick. Okay, all right. I feel I feel good about that. (laughs) You Um, should. I I love Soupy Sales. I thought Soupy Sales was very funny. Transition slowly further and further away from science. Okay, let's let's go back to science. (laughs) Back to science. Because uh, one of the things that's that's going on. Go on, go on. I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, your conference at uh, Loyola, which is coming up this week on uh, March 15th, Thursday. Um, Uh, It's actually uh, Thursday and Friday. And Friday. Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Right, two two days. Uh, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, and you can still register for it. Uh, Loyola University is fourth. A conference on uh, climate change. It includes um, many uh, presentations from uh, various, um, if you want to call it, experts in the field of the science, uh, presentations from students, both undergraduate and graduate, and that's always a nice thing to see someone who's, you know, 20, 21 years old getting excited about something like this. Uh, but I think more importantly, the keynote speaker is Gina McCarthy, who is the former head of the EPA, um, and I'm sure she's going to have a lot to talk about, not only from a standpoint of of where she was with the Obama administration, but where we have gone now with the Trump administration and uh, Scott Pruitt, where they think that um, advancement of the EPA is basically taking, what, nearly 60 to 
70 uh, regulations that the Obama administration put forth and basically reversed them and basically eliminated them. And I know, Mike, you talk a lot about this stuff on your Facebook page weekly. Yeah, well, we talked about it on the show today, too. We had uh, Jerry Edelman from Open Lands, and uh, we were we were focused more on the gutting one of, of one of the key environmental laws uh, that was passed in uh, 1970, uh, which you're probably uh, aware of. And um, uh, I'm looking, I, I want to make sure I get the National Environmental Policy Act of 1970, which sort of is the basis for, for all the uh, protection of our environment in, in the country. And it was an example to the whole world. And this is yeah. part of what's being undermined right now. Uh, and, you know, my, my feeling is that uh, if Gina McCarthy, uh, I, I had heard she was going to come to Loyola and get up in front of the crowd and weep for 45 minutes. But I, that might not be <laughs> <laughs> what's going on. I w- if, if, well, if, if I were in her like shoes, I would. The, go on. No, I was just going to say, if I were in her shoes, I probably would for, for part of the time. But, uh, no, she's probably... Uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the one of the more difficult things about um, when you're appointed to a position like that um, is seeing how an administration who's obviously not in line with your, quote, uh, beliefs about policy, in other words, I'm not using the word politics, but policy and also science, um, reverses the course so not only um, 180, but also tragically as well. You know, it, it, it's always everybody who is a leader's worst nightmare is for the person to come in and completely change over what you thought you did well. And and unfortunately, we, we've seen that. So I, I, I hope that she doesn't come across as bitter. I don't think she will. No, Because uh, no. I've actually looked back at a couple of her talks from, from you know, prior events, and I, I think she tries a you know, laid on the line is that, look, we're, we're still in it. Um, it's, I think she's going to talk a lot about about, uh, about the fact that, you know, we left the Paris Agreement, at least the administration did, but the country didn't. Um, and this is what you want to be able to talk to about with students. Mm-hmm. Now, she talks about it 45 minutes. I talk about it every week. Of and course. You can see that it becomes a little bit more difficult and more challenging for me because I'm always trying to not so much sound political, but always say that this is the right way to do it and the right well, thing to do. For her, it's going to be a little bit more of a, I, I think, you know, basically, you know, I come out and I say it and then I get take questions off on the side. Yeah, well, the point I'm going to make, and then we got to get to the weather real quick, is that, because we got yeah. three, three minutes here, uh, uh, mm-hmm. is that you, you talk about the changing the policy and flipping it 180 degrees. That's not good for the country. That's not good for anything no. when you repudiate, and, and, and a lot of it is just spite. And mm-hmm. and and some of it is oh, yeah. to, is, oh, yeah. is to exploit things, and it's just to suck up right. to the, uh, the the energy industries, fossil fuel industries, yeah. and some and of to it remove is, a legacy and to remove a legacy uh, out of spite, and that's not good for that's not good governance. Uh, so uh, and, and and I and I worked and I worked in a newsroom where we did things pretty well, and we had a new news director come in and says and said we're going to do things different from now on. And I remember I was sitting in that room, and Robin Robinson was sitting next to me, and she says, what makes you think we haven't been doing it right for a long time and that we don't know what we're doing? And only, only her at that point could stick up for us. No one else could. Mm-hmm. But, but I've seen that before. It, it doesn't really make things better. It, it kind of makes things worse. But, again, I think what Gina is going to say is, is, is there's hope 
and there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I think that's what she has to do to a bunch of college students. All right, so uh, if folks are interested, the, the, okay. the conference is Thursday and Friday. What's going on with the uh, at Loyola University, Chicago? What's going on with the weather? Uh, yeah, cold. Um, we're in a pattern now where we've basically flipped whatever was happening in the month of February. Uh, we pushed this really deep area of cold air, uh, this trough of low pressure. It's basically wedged in between us and Greenland. Uh, yet another nor'easter is going to be hitting uh, the mid-Atlantic. Uh, winter storm watch is already up in effect for much of the mid-Atlantic area. Could see another foot in some locations, and what that means for us in Chicago is a continuation of cold weather. Dry conditions around here, though, for the next five days. A little bit of a warm-up on Wednesday and Thursday, but back to below normal temperatures for next week. And we could be seeing a little bit of snow around here, believe it or not, on St. Patrick's Day. So instead of seeing a green Chicago River, we may see a little bit of white stuff. But definitely temperatures anywhere between 8 and 10 degrees below normal. Any sign of a warm-up at all? No, no, nothing for at least the next two and a half to three weeks. We may not see above normal temperatures for a long period of time. Uh, I should say for an extended period of time until maybe the first week of April. So uh, we had March weather in February. Now we're having February weather in March. I think there's still another snowstorm on the horizon as well. Okay. All right. Thanks, Rick. Talk to you next week. I uh, want to thank everybody for being on the show. Uh, Melinda Myers, Jerry Edelman. David R. Montgomery, and of course, Rick DeMille. Thanks, Sonar, behind the dials. Until next Sunday, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.